Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the first episode of the Versatile Man podcast. Today's guest is a good one. She's a longtime friend of mine, and I couldn't dream of any other way to kick this off. She's a mom and wife, a life coach, a blogger, also a podcast host, and a cancer survivor. She's my friend of a long time, Sarah Hall. And uh, before we start today's episode, I promise this in the introduction, I want you guys to take a second before we uh, get into the episode today and the interview to set an intention for today's episode as to what you really want to get out of it, knowing all of the roles that Sarah fills and kind of how that could relate to your life and what you could take away to become a better person. That all being said, please welcome Sarah Hall. You can act like a man! You're listening to the Versatile Man Podcast. I couldn't think of a better person to have on my podcast as somebody that's been a friend and a fan for so long. Like, I think we've known each other almost seven years now, if not eight. It's wild to think about that it's been that long, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were my trainer. Yeah, I was. And then, and then I, I, I taught you some goals a few times, actually. <laughs> I know you're my pregnant trainer. And yes. <laughs> you uh, used to play pit bull pretty incessantly. <laughs> yeah, I was obsessed. <laughs> and I think now I've, I've realized it's just because it's like a child's favorite music. So that's why you, you were like gravitating <laughs> towards that way. Little did you know yes. that your daughter would love that. Yes. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So it started as that. And, you know, what's funny is our relationship has been um, pretty goal oriented the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, from- I think when you put two really driven people together, it's that's just naturally going to be the conversation all the time. Like, what's the next thing? Tell me about you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, maybe when we met, I was goal driven, but didn't necessarily know um wasn't putting the application against it to, to put a roadmap together versus just knowing the destination I wanted to get to mm-hmm. and inadvertently slash uh, intentionally, you may have helped lead me more towards that <laughs> path. Um, I remember very distinctly hiring you to do a, a uh, uh, corporate function for my team at Red Bull where we went through goal setting mm-hmm. and you had, I think you had been like kind of called that way through like being empowered at Lululemon, but I'm not super sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you come across that? Like how? Um, I think, I think it's just like anytime anybody falls into something where they feel like they have a passion and they really love doing it. Um, I learned it's one of the very first things that Lululemon does as a new hire. They have you sit down and they write out your goals and, and they teach you about how to write smart goals. And at the time that was, you know, it was the first time I'd ever really heard that. I had always been kind of driven by goals and always set myself goals, but I didn't ever put them a structure to them. Let's put it that way. And then, yeah. and then I just started doing it more and more and saw other people leading goal sessions at studios. And I said, I think I need to do that. And then just found so much power, I guess, within myself to see other people reach for their goals. And I became like a junkie for it. Yeah, I mean, I know I definitely um, took a lot away from you being there for us corporately. Um, and, and we were sitting with, at that time, a lot of college kids. So I thought, hey, this is going to be a good 
uh, exercise for them as they prepare, you know, to take on that next phase in life. And um, little did I know that I would take away from, I remember sitting like halfway through and I had just had my daughter, not super long before that. And just thinking mm-hmm. in my head, like, I have to quit. I have to, mm. I have to leave this job. <laughs> like it just isn't yeah. going to get me where I want it to go. And at the same uh-huh. time, not, uh, you know, just totally cause massive amounts of collateral damage. Have you, yeah. have you had those experiences in those prior to that? I don't even think I shared that with you until just now. So that you were thinking about leaving at the time. No, that I definitely decided in that session that I am going to leave this job. Oh, I mean, I have had people have really big ahas, like, um, I want to say kind of seeing their life for what it is when you back up and you think about the future and you, and then you compare it to the here and now I've had people and I can see the light bulb turn on where they go, where I'm at right now is not going to get me to where I want to be in a way that's going to make me feel like I want to feel. So I can see those light bulbs turn on, but I I think the most powerful moments is when um, some of the people who were at the gym where you and I had um, first met, I bought something off marketplace and I went to go pick it up from their house and, and they're standing in the driveway with me going, you know, you're the reason why we're selling our house. And I'm like, what are you talking about? At a goal session I did with them, they had mentioned, I guess that something that they took out of it was they wanted to downsize so that they could put more money into travel and more money into other areas of their life. And so they were selling their house and moving everything that they own into a smaller house so that they could reappropriate their funds to different things so that they could do things that they loved um, and take life by the, you know, take life by the horns, which was really cool to feel like you have such a pivotal impact on on people but it's still it's not me it's you coming to it I am just the person to open the door I guess yeah I think that was my first experience with like coaching and I had an experience shortly thereafter then with a career coach um just kind of toying around and I remember getting so frustrated with her as I talked myself into circles she's like well it sounds like you know the answer Uh and I was just like well, no, I, you know, I mean, up to that point, I want somebody to tell me what to do. I don't want to be the one on the hook for it. And it just, you know, in the end, obviously I did leave. I just had to plot my exit uh, yeah. very strategically. I think sometimes we can be a little stubborn with ourselves. Like we know what we want and we know what we need to do, but taking the leap can be hard or scary. And so we just are like, no, I'm just, I'm not going to look at that part of my brain that wants that thing. (laughs) So, so I'm going to look over here for a while. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, it's very easy to uh, ignore signs that are, are being given to you. I, you know, that's not just like career. I mean, relationships too. How many of us held on to relationships that we didn't really need Mm -hmm. and or want or should have stayed in? But it was just, you know, we ignored so much trying to make it work. I think the biggest thing is people fear failure Mm -hmm. and they fear having to tell someone they failed. So they will beat their head against the wall because they're afraid of that. When in reality, it's not a failure. It's just you've outgrown it. Uh, Divorce is a good example of that. You know, you see people that just hate each other that stay together. When in reality, like nobody's going to look at you as a failure. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's it's worse if you try to you know square peg round hole that you know. Yeah, I wish that our society was a little bit more uh, gave more power to vulnerability. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely a Western culture thing, I believe. Yeah, yeah. 
we don't want to let those doors down. So that's a real, that's a real easy transition for me. Uh, So uh, something since I've known you, that's been very defining outside Mm -hmm. of the goal setting is um, you at a very, very young age, younger than Mm -hmm. any of us want to, you know, actually try Mm -hmm. and think about uh, were diagnosed and beat cancer. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and, um, you know, how that kind of played out in where you were at that time in your life? Yeah. Um, I, so I was, I'll give a very like brief diagnosis structure. So I was diagnosed with, um, stage one breast cancer at 30. Well, they didn't know what stage it was. They, I was told at first it was stage zero, but I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 31 weeks pregnant when I was 32 and, um, 32 years old. So I had my daughter early and then got down to business with treatment. Um, I had four rounds of chemo. I had a double mastectomy and then I did, a, um, a reconstruction. I had, uh, implant reconstruction and that was that it was a hard, it was hard to, it was hard to stomach and it was hard to share with people, even on social media. And it was hard mostly because I was the healthy one. Like I'm the healthy one in my family and sharing something like that. You have to basically own up to the fact that, okay, I tell something that is, you know, really important to me is health. But now I have had this something to my feet taken out from underneath me with this diagnosis out of left field. I have no family history. It wasn't something I ever expected. Um, but being able to, go through it has helped me grow in more ways than I could ever even have imagined. I thought once I get past this, I'm going to put it in my past and it's just going to be something that is me, but it's not going to be something that defines me and, and what I have learned from it and from some books that I have read um, since then that really what I have found from my diagnosis is helping other women who go through traumas um, it can be breast cancer related or not, but just being able to see it for what it is and then growing from it and not making it necessarily like a bad thing. I have grown in so many ways. My relationships have grown. I have grown. I've seen things from more of a growth perspective, a growth mindset, growth mindset. Um, my marriage has, you know, blossomed, I guess, if you want to use that word, it's, it's definitely deeper than it was before. And we're coming up on 10, on 10 years. Um, but so many good things have come from it that it's hard to look back and, and, re, you know, regret that that was something that happened to me, um, I guess, per se. Yeah, I, uh, I remember reading about it and thinking, oh, my gosh, she's so young. And, um, instantly I think a lot of people do this where they try to put themselves in a person's situation and Mm -hmm. instantly I was really drawn uh, to your husband Mm -hmm. and thinking like how would I handle that Mm -hmm. and even to this day and part of the reason you know I'm I'm having you on today um, you know this summer you and I sat down and we had some sessions that were pretty um, hush hush (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, we, you know, we did like some life coaching sessions and really started to focus in on, you know, how this next run of my life is going to look and what I can mm-hmm. do. And I became super, super fixated on that in my marriage and mm-hmm. not because my marriage was in a bad spot, 
but because like it's so it's not an innate thing, right? To be married. And at least for me, it's not, I might be wired uh, a little bit different, but it's not just something that you know how to do day one. And it takes constant work and constant mm-hmm. refinement. And as I sat there, you know, thinking about this podcast, who I wanted to have on as someone that's, you know, lived through such um such an ordeal and come out on the other side, even stronger. And somebody who I thought was strong before I was, you know, thinking in my head, like, how'd your husband handle this? Um, mm-hmm. What's super important in your world. I mean, like trauma can happen to any of us at any time, but mm-hmm. how can we really be a good partner? Not just from your experience, but also, um, you know, professionally, mm-hmm. how, how we as men and we are constantly learning and refining can we help check those boxes better? And I think, you know, I know Eric did a really good job. I'm sure there were some moments mm-hmm. where you guys were both at each other's throat, but um, yeah, I, I'm just super interested in kind of your treatment through everything and how as partners you were able to get through all of this. Yeah. I think I, there are moments, I feel like when you think about any, anybody think about past trauma, they think about there's tiny little blippets that they'll never forget. And it's whether it's hearing that you ha- you have something or hearing the news of something, but there are very specific moments that I can remember. Um, I remember we had come out, um, I got diagnosed on Valentine's Day, which that really sucked. Um, we never really celebrated Valentine's Day. So I guess it doesn't really, now it has like a whole new fun meaning. But um, I remember sitting in the car after and Eric uh, went with me to my appointments and he had been planning because we were hoping to just like, oh, it's just nothing like, and he was going to go back to work. He, I remember sitting in the car after and being, feeling a little numb, but like feeling a little, I mean, I don't know. I, you can't even put words to that feeling, but he was standing outside the car and he was talking to his um so he's a firefighter so he was talking to somebody like his battalion chief or his captain for the day and i just remember him getting a little tearful and i remember him saying they think it's cancer and um and just the amount of support that came from the fire family that we have was incredible i mean i knew that they were are people that we lean on and in hard times and and you, you don't want those hard times to come, especially as a firewife, but um, it just, I guess it proved to me that they will be there no matter what. But I remember that moment very specifically. And then I remember, I remember it was like a couple of appointments later and he, we were dropping off a car or something. And he just like, look, took my face in his hands, which he did multiple times whenever we were, I was going through my whole journey and he just looked at me in the eyes and he was like, how are you doing so well with this? Why are you not breaking down? Why are you not like losing it? Why are you not getting angry? And um, I I think my answer at the time was like, I mean, I don't know, will that do any good? You know, but he was that person to be there to almost get like in just saying that to me, it gave me permission to have moments of you know, breakdown, or if I felt like I needed to cry, I felt safe in that situation because he had said that to me. And only because he said that to me, it allowed me to know that if I felt something, it was okay to express it. Um, and then I had moments where I would get, this was another very, very critical moment, I think, in, in everything. I would get very caught up in 
looking at what other people said on Facebook groups and, and cancer groups about the different drugs that I was going to have for chemo. And I just, I remember one night, like just locking myself in the bathroom and like cry. And then I would like get back on Facebook and I'd read more and then I'd Google more, <laughs> which is never a good path to go on. Yeah, don't um, get on WebMD. Yeah, no, it's so bad. Um, and I, I just remember being like, this is going to be the most awful thing that ever happens to me and not a great mindset to have. And like that next morning, he must've sat on it all night because he again took my face in his hands and I was, you know, drying my tears from the morning. And he was like, you, this is not you do not let what other people's experiences of this define yours you are unique. You are, you are, um, you are you. And, and he just reminded me of all the things that I can bring to the table and my positivity. And he said, don't let that like fl make your flame go out. And I just, from there on out after, after that, I mean, we were in the hallway of our house. I can tell you exactly where we were. It was in the morning and I don't remember where our kids were at the time, but, um, it was just, it's a very, it like stands out in my mind as just a, an incredibly supportive moment. I mean, those are three moments in the entirety of what was like nine months of treatments and surgeries and all these things. And, and they, obviously he was there for so many other, but those, those standout moments and those very easy statements um, made such a massive impact in our relationship that, you know, I, I think that that's really the point here is that he was just there and he was there to remind me just like a coach is, he was there to remind me who I was and he was there to support me in making sure that I didn't lose sight of that when some other dark thoughts might come in. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we had a little bit to a lesser degree, um, well, less duration of a stressful time around the birth of our second child. And I know that was very difficult, um, for me, um, and I think my wife, you know, was holding that together for me and I was holding it together for her. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember definitely like, um, yeah, it was like the day she got admitted to the hospital a month early, mind you. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to go pick up my daughter from uh, school. And of course, my daughter had no idea what was going on. She'd been in school all day. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was like you know, her, me trying to inform her what was happening to a certain degree where mom was, um, was very difficult. And I don't, I never lost it in front of my wife, but that afternoon, I definitely lost it in front of my daughter. And <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I scared her, I scared her a little bit, um, yeah. because she goes to a church school. And so I decided that we should just go pray together. And man, I was just yeah. a mess <laughs> at that point. Yeah. And, uh, it's just hard though, because I think as a husband, we want to absorb all of that. You know, mm -hmm. we're your protector, we're your rock, you're going to get through everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't necessarily need to fall totally on our shoulders. Um, in fact, it's probably yeah, more therapeutic. What, to what not. good does that do? Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, you harbor your stress, stress, stress. And obviously I've gotten a lot better about that in the last couple of years. Um, you know, and strengthening, you know, strange is like through all of this, I've, I've learned that um, the thoughts that I'm trying to protect my wife from are thoughts she's also having. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, what, there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, why are we why are we not talking to each other about this when we can split that burden over both our shoulders as opposed to trying mm-hmm. to think that you know we've got to carry it solo. And um, yeah, so so yeah, treatment for you though went um, somewhat on par, right? I mean, yeah. So all those all those Facebook groups that I was reading and everybody else's experiences. I talk, I talk about this on, so I have a podcast and we share our experiences, me and a friend share our experiences through breast cancer. And I, I loaded myself with all the negative experiences of other people and then expected the same for myself. And then I remember getting home from treatment and being like, okay, the, you know, the sickness is going to come, like it's going to come and 48 hours came and went and then 72 hours came and went and I felt fine. And so it, it was so much better than I could have expected. So there's lots of schools of thought of like, did I over-prepare myself for the worst? And then like, was pleasantly surprised when it wasn't bad or should I have avoided all the bad and then just gone in with a positive mindset and then just been okay. You know, I don't, I don't know which is, which is the better way of doing it. I think it's just, it just depends on the kind of person, but treatment was really non-eventful and uh, my surgeries were pretty non-eventful um i had my all all my reconstruction surgeries which a total of three um surgeries all together were very straightforward i didn't have any setbacks which doesn't often happen the majority of the time i feel like there's always some kind of setback with something um but you know it was nice to have eric support and the the fire guys support the fire guys actually rallied together and covered covered Eric shifts for so long. I mean, he even had to like ask like, okay, Sarah's fine. I've got to come back to work, <laughs> work like for my sanity to get out of the house. So she would um, like me to get out of the house. Please. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Yes. She needs some time alone. Um, but it was cool. Like he learned to French braid my hair during, after my first surgery, when I still had hair. Um, he, well, that's, that's pretty above and beyond, right? There. I mean, yeah, he definitely gets a star. So, um, but yeah, we had lots of time to talk and connect and during all the treatment, but we also had a newborn at the time. So there was, yeah. you know, just lots to be done on top of, um, on top of everything that was going on with me. So, so I think it's, it's an interesting transition. You've talked in, in that, uh, you know, little part of your life, not a huge part of your life, um, mm-hmm. about the support from not just Eric, but also Eric's tribe around him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it's a little bit full circle-ish, um, this new step that you're in as well, on top of the podcasting and the blogging mm-hmm. and helping others. Um, some of the others that you've decided to help, you've kind of gone down the road in yoga for first responders. Um, yeah. Can you talk about kind of what led you that direction and, and how it's going thus far? Yeah. So such divine timing. I ended up um, I'll back it up just a little bit. Cause I feel like how, how I got into it is really such a cool story. So a few years ago, back when I worked at Lululemon, I had tried to get a job, a job working with, um, this department that does physicals for, um, firefighters. And I didn't end up getting the job very sad. And, um, but I stayed connected with somebody who works there and she started, she, so she knows a lot of the fire chiefs, a lot of the people at the fire departments. And she started this program called, um, she didn't start it. She started it here in St. Louis that creators actually live out in Colorado. Um, but they started uh, this program here in St. Louis called yoga for first responders. And they contract with different firefighters. Um, they're trying to get in with some police officers and they're trying to get in with 
um, you know, academies, fire academies, police academies, and they, they're great in dispatchers. But she started this and we had stayed connected over the years. And, and she asked me, you know, where do you go to do yoga? I'd like to go try yoga. And uh, my studio was down in St. Charles and she started doing yoga. This was at, right after I didn't get the job. She ended up falling in love with yoga. She did her 200 hour yoga teacher training. And then she found this yoga for first responders and started the program here in St. Louis. So full circle. So kind of the catalyst was me telling her where I did yoga. She fell in love with it. And then she started this. So she um, then fast forward to this summer or I guess spring ish. She it's the pandemic. And um, I just had left my job at the birth center and I was starting my coaching business and, and trying to get that off the ground. And she calls me and she's, she's like trying to look for somebody to cover her yoga classes and go do the yoga training training uh, because she's going to go out on maternity leave in August. So I, I mean, obviously, yes, like I am in for this because it marries so well with like coaching and um, just processing stress and building resiliency against trauma and in firefighters and first responders are like my people. So, um, so I said, yes, absolutely. And I went to the training in September in Colorado and really fell in love with what they're providing for first responders, because it's giving people, it's giving these first responders the tools to process stress. You know, I think a lot of people think of yoga and they think of like stretching and zend out and, you know, I don't know, oming, I guess, and meditating. Um, but that, and that all it can be yoga. Um, but what it really is and what YFFR is bringing is, um, is stress and building resiliency, like processing stress as a, any trauma that you see and Anytime you see all that, you need to regulate back down. So our body gets really heightened and or think about like public speaking. So many people are afraid of public speaking. You know, our palms get sweaty, our heart races. But what if we changed everyone's mindset on how stress affects us? Like instead of thinking of that as like our body's quote bad response to something that's coming in as a stressor, what if we thought this is like gave thanks for thanking my body for get preparing me for this challenge or what I'm about to face, um, public speaking or, or whatever the, the stressor is, um, yoga for first responders is giving people those tools with like breath work and, and then challenging your body with the practice of yoga and then learning to regulate back down. So using the breath to control the nervous system and, um, and process that stress. So yeah, that was a long story for. Oh yeah, it's okay. That's that's what we're here for. We're here for your yeah. story. Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed. Um, you know, I've gotten more and more into the whole mindfulness and the connection between mind and body, and trying to like bridge those gaps. Um, mm-hmm. There's like a, definitely um, a physical body response to trauma. Uh huh. Um, where we handle it once one way, and our brain then says, well, that's the way we handle it, I guess. And yeah. you're, sometimes your body just responds without your brain even knowing until you sit down in a yoga class, all of a sudden these floodgates start opening yeah. because you're focusing inward in the mind where your yeah. body's like held on to that for so long. And uh, it's all very, very interesting. Um, definitely a little foreshadowing there for some future episodes we have with um, <laughs> some people that are um, – you know, in the neurology field, uh, medical field. I think it's just so interesting how yoga and, and meditation can open up 
some of those pathways again that that we didn't know existed and, and in some cases don't physically exist but yet we're going to grow through neurogenesis those new new uh brain pathways of neurons so mm-hmm. um it's definitely something i've i've um the last 12 months i've eight months, <laughs> nine months, uh, pandemic months, yeah. uh, have focused on a lot more is taking that time to breathe and to, you know, everybody thinks yoga is just stretching. Um, it, it's more breathing through your body, I guess, is the way I just des- mm-hmm. describe it. It's, it's really like bringing life back to those parts of your body that have turned off. And yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was really deep and hippie-ish for, uh, yes. for a Monday. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I'm never supposed to break the fourth wall and tell you when we're recording. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that's good. And, and you're right. There are a lot, um, you know, in the first responder world, you think of the people that are handling those types of jobs and not just the burly, manly mm-hmm. men, you know, of the firehouse, but, um, yeah. you know, it's also women as well. I mean, they're conditioned to do their job and to move on. You know, if you're yeah. at a car accident, you know, one minute, and you're in your first hour of your shift. And then, you know, two hours later, you're at, you know, a, a major crime scene, violent crime scene, and you're mm-hmm. just supposed to keep chucking along. So mm-hmm. as if nothing's happened, do your job, move on, move on. And, and man, that stuff just wears on you. There's, all, yeah. I mean, there's also, you know, a tremendous amount of data behind, um, you know, depression and bipolar disorder and, and also violence and first responders, they need more outlets and they need more advocacy to help them through that. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's very good that you've taken that opportunity and obviously that it's been presented to you. So, yeah. 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 Yep. So Sarah, um, my promise to my listeners is that we're always going to keep things brief, even though you and I could probably sit down for like two hours and record the whole thing, really (laughs) get into the weeds on some topics. But um, I appreciate you coming on today. And I definitely want to end every episode kind of the same way so we can tie it all back together. So I I gave you some hints that this was coming, but I didn't tell (laughs) you what the questions were. So I'm going to end every episode with two questions that I would like the guests to answer. And uh, the first one uh, is, what is one thing you wish you could tell everyone that is listening? Oh boy. Um, my one thing, I mean, honestly, I think tying, tying my story in with my husband, communication is key. I think if communication is not something that you feel comfortable with, or if it's that one thing that kind of gives you stress, um, find a way to process that and to learn how to communicate, be it with your partner or your children or the people that you work with. I mean, just communicate is, is going to not only just relieve some of the burden on you, but also, you know, the burden on the people around you. Awesome. And second, what's your focus of refinement in 2020 since that's the purpose of the podcast? Oh, the focus of refinement. Um, that's a great question. Like, what do I want to get better at in 2021? Yeah. Okay. I, oh, gee, many Christmas. I, I want to get better at efficiency. I feel like I have a lot of efficiency links, leaks in the way that I kind of manage my life, my day. I want to feel fluid 
Um, but at the same time, like I can take on anything that comes at me, but I want to be able to be efficient and know what needs to be either delegated out, pushed to the future or to be done in the here and now and be more present, which to give me more presence. <laughs> I like it. It's very aspirational. Yeah. You said it all. Uh, <laughs> where can everybody find you? I know you've got a lot of different platforms right now. Do you yeah. want to kind of yeah. spell some of them out? So I have a podcast called Besties with Breasties. Great for anybody to listen to if you want to get more understanding around um, breast cancer, what breast cancer really looks like outside of the beautiful pink ribbons and the 5Ks that people run. Um, my my buddy, uh, Beth Wilmus, who has Faith Through Fire, and I uh, sit down and talk about those. We release two episodes a month. I also have a coaching, a health and wellness coaching business um, called uh, Sarah J. Hall Coaching. can be found at sarahjhallcoaching.com. Uh, my focus really is uh, women who are sort of like transitioning and transitioning into survivorship from some kind of cancer diagnosis, but I will coach anybody and everybody who wants to create habit changes and lead a healthier life. That's where you can find me. And Hiccups to Harmony is what's that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Hiccups. So Hiccups to Harmony is my craft business is actually, um, uh, it, well, it started out as a blog when I was going through diagnosis. I wrote out lots of blogs and I started this with my best friend when we wanted something more besides motherhood. Uh, we started the blog, her husband experienced a pretty traumatic back injury. And then I was going through my breast cancer diagnosis at the same time. So we started Hiccups to Harmony. It's, it's a platform where we write about, you know, whatever hiccups in our life and how we create harmony. But we also started a craft business to help fund a scar, scar covering tattoo um, for myself. And our hope is to grow it into something where we're starting to sponsor other women getting trauma tattoos, basically to cover up scars that they may have so that they can help heal in that way. And we sell reusable snack bags. That's kind of our reusable snack bags, any kind of reusable um, plastic waste saving concepts. That's where our niche is. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate the time. And, um, you know, maybe down the road again, hopefully, um, see how this all goes and, um, yeah, it was good to have you. Thank you, Caleb. You've been listening to the versatile man podcast. Please remember to like rate and subscribe. Tell your friends for the love of it.